Welcome to DLN Extend. We choose topics covered by the Destination Linux Network that we think need some more discussion because, you know, they skip over things and, uh, and the conversation here is just better. So these shows include Destination Linux, Ask Noah, Linux for Everyone, This Week in Linux, Das Geek, Tux Digital, and Zebedee Boss Gaming. I'm Nate, a Linux fitness and vintage tech enthusiast with an almost unhealthy obsession with the OpenSUSE project. And I'm Eric, a web technologist and Linux aficionado. So Nate, what have you been up to this week? Christmas. I love Christmas time. You know, I've heard that you like Christmas. Tell me what you've done with those Christmas lights of yours. Well, I consider myself one of Santa's elves. So do I believe in Santa Claus? Yes, but I'm his elf. And I decided to, now I wasn't going to this year, but my oldest basically told me, he kind of called me out, said this year I was going to put the Christmas lights to music. And so I did. I, I did a couple of sequences, which took me a lot of time. Uh, one was the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Wizards in Winter, and the other was Christmas Eve in Sarajevo. Sarajevo. And, uh, you know, there's, these are kind of typical ones that are used. So I, I wasn't doing anything particularly creative. I just happened to want to do those two songs. And so I did them. And I really enjoyed it. And actually, what I think is funny, when I went to record the second sequence, there was a car parked out in front of my house waiting for it to start. So... <laughs> well, and you also made some videos to show the rest of us what you've been working on and uh, put a uh, post together on the uh, discourse forum. And lots of people shared their, their feedback and their love of your, uh, your effort. I myself, having seen the video, I had a sneak preview before others saw it. Yeah, that, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, the reason it's used <laughs> is because it goes so well with light shows. Like, as you demonstrated, the beat and the, just the rhythm of things really lend themselves and uh, there was a sequence in there a couple minutes in where i was just sort of watching this going i i couldn't imagine what it'd be like standing there in front of it you know i'm just looking at my computer screen but very very exciting very well thought out and put together so you you did an amazing job on that well thank you very much it's very kind what i did notice is that it would have been better had i had a camera that was better at nighttime filming. Because if you notice, you, it would be, you could see like the shutter, well, not shutter, but the iris in it was adjusting off a lot when it would do the, the bright flashes. <clears throat> so I need, to, I need to have a better solution for that for next year. Uh, you know, a, a real camera. I'm sure there's somebody that you can think of that is a photographer that we know that I should probably talk to. Mm. What do you think? <laughs> yes, there is someone that comes to mind. It's a little foggy. She's a friend of DLN. Uh-huh. It's Wendy, isn't it? Wendy, yes. Wendy. That's what I was right. thinking of. Yeah. You know what? I bet you she could help you out with that. There's probably some something you can do to fix the, the aperture or something. Uh, yeah, something. That's the right word. You know, I know nothing about photography. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that was uh yeah, it was fun to do. I still have my Christmas lights up because as we record this on the first of January, it is technically the eighth day of Christmas by the old tradition. So I'll keep my stuff up until the sixth. That's when I'll take everything. I'll, I'll take the roll back the Christmas portion of my lights. But there will be lights that stay, right? I mean, I think you're going to try to have a uh, a year round lighting show. Has this become like a permanent installation? It's a yes. Parts of it are permanent. Yeah, and and actually, between you and me, since nobody else you know is listening, I bought some uh, snowflakes to put on my house, like for wintertime. So they're 16 inches in diameter to put these pixel lights in the programmable ones, and I'll put those on the front of my house and just kind of have them twinkling and doing little things at night. You know, when it's when it's night out, just for fun. I don't have any plans for any like sequences for it, but just just something to kind of brighten up around my world, essentially. So, what have you been up to, Eric? 
Well, I've been taking a bit of a break. I was on vacation for a week and more or less have just been kind of relaxing, unplugging a little bit and just trying to uh, take my time through the end of the year. And uh, here we are on the 1st of January, 2020. So we're getting back to it, recording our podcast and going to start back at making some YouTube content and some blog posts and just trying to get back into the swing of things. And uh, in that spirit, I've tried out a couple things recently. So the Endeavor OS release with the net installer came out just before Christmas. And um, that was a great little surprise for everybody. It's pretty fantastic. It's exactly what I was hoping they would get to, which is, you know, when you're installing, you get to pick which desktop you want. It's very similar to what OpenSUSE does with, you know, the the ability to just pick from the installer, hey, this is the desktop I want. I like that. I think that's a nice way to do it instead of having to download a different ISO for every single desktop. It's not a big deal, but it is just nice to have that single ISO installer and you say, okay, on this machine, I'm going to put Plasma, or on this machine, I'm going to put Mate, or I mean, they have pretty much everything on there uh, in terms of choice. Pretty neat. You know, I was really happy to see that they pulled that off. They had planned on having it out in November, and that didn't happen. And I think there was some level of perhaps disappointment, but uh, ultimately the community pitched in and got it done, and uh, it works great. So the the standout feature then of the latest endeavor is the the ability to pick and choose which which desktop that you use. Is it more like the OpenSUSE way where it's kind of buried, or is it more like the Debian way which it, where it's exposed? It's actually somewhere in between because when you first fire up the installer, it asks you, do you want to do an offline or an online install? And that's sort of your first choice. If you say offline, then you're going to get the standard XFCE Endeavor desktop. And if you say online, then you jump into the Calamari's installer. It doesn't ask you as the first question, which desktop do you want? So you actually go through all of the steps of selecting your locale and all of that stuff. And then it gets to a screen where it gives you a list of the choices. And from there, then you just pick you know which one you want. And then it goes through and the rest of the install procedure. And when it's done, you've got a lovely, mostly stock Arch install of whatever desktop you chose with some Endeavor packages as part of that. But it's very close to just vanilla sort of stock Arch, which is nice because I think that's what people I mean, that's what I'm looking for is I don't want a ton of customization. They have a nice wallpaper, which is a nice touch, but otherwise they're not heavily theming or heavily changing things. And I guess if I had one criticism of Manjaro, that would be it, is that all of their desktop spins are heavily customized. And that's fine. I mean, it's it's nice that someone takes the time to go through and set things up, but it's also they've made a lot of choices for you. And one of the things I really appreciate about Arch is that when you install, if you just do a vanilla install of Arch and then you install any of the desktops, you're getting like the factory. <laughs> you know, there's nothing changed. It's literally whatever the defaults are. And from there, then you, you can do whatever you want versus I feel like with something like Manjaro, in a lot of cases, I'm undoing someone else's decisions that they've made or choices they've made. And uh, so having Endeavor give you a very, very close to Arch experience, but making it worlds easier to install because you're just going through a graphical installer. Um, it's a pretty, pretty interesting, powerful thing. And I, like I said, I think this is what a lot of people were waiting for and hoping to see, and they've managed to pull it off. 
historically, I've been one that's preferred just give me a vanilla experience and let me shape it to what I want. And then being a part of like you know, the, the Biddle community and, and trying on other distributions, I've really appreciated what distributions like Kubuntu do and, and how they express the distribution. And, and also like XFCE, I, I've liked some of the like, you know, MX Linux and Peppermint's kind of a, um, a combination of things. But I, I like seeing these very customized distributions as well. So I don't know what I like anymore because on one side, you know, with Endeavor, I like that they're giving you a vanilla experience, but at the same time with Manjaro, I like that it kind of maybe, you know, knocking off some of the rough edges on some of these desktop environments to kind of give a better experience. But at the same time, I'm probably going to change those anyway. So I, I'm kind of back and forth in, in what it is that I think is the better way to do it. OpenSUSE obviously is, is very vanilla or very close to vanilla. I mean, they, they basically do some light theming and they leave all the defaults pretty much whatever's upstream. And I appreciate that because then I can just, now I know what the upstream is and then I change it accordingly. But I don't know. I'm back and forth on this all the time. I, I, I just, I used to think I knew what I wanted, but now I'm not sure what that I know what I want anymore. But I do like that Endeavor is choosing a different path in Manjaro as far as how they give you the desktops. I think that's, I, I think that is a good choice in and of itself. There has to be some differentiation. I get that, right? I mean, you can't, if everybody shipped the same stock vanilla desktop environment, I mean, it's really sort of, you know, it'd be like every car coming in the same color type of thing. So I get that there's like OpenSys is a good, is a good example where they have, you know, the green color scheme throughout, which makes sense because I mean, that's their, their colors and other distributions will do similar things. For example, the other thing I was doing this week was looking at Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix. To me, when I use Cinnamon, much like when I use Plasma, there's sort of one look that I'm used to. So Plasma is the breeze theme and that's just kind of, I know there's lots of different themes out there, but ultimately that's what I always come back to because that's what I'm used to. I like the way the icons look, the way the window controls look. It's just what I'm used to. And in Cinnamon, I'm used to the mint themes. And so when I was using Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix, they chose a very different style of theme. Not a bad one. It looks great. It's very unique. It's very distinctive. It's got a warm sort of feel to it. It's dark. So it's, I mean, it has a very nice aesthetic, but it's because it's cinnamon. I look at it and I go, that doesn't look right. <laughs> and so I immediately go, how do I get the mint themes on here? And so that's exactly what I did. I mean, I used it the way they had it. <laughs> For for about an hour or two, and then I just kind of thought, you know, for better or for worse, I'm just used to it being that way, the way it looks on Mint. And so, you know, I went and got the, it's not hard to do. I just went and grabbed the themes and the icons and, you know, you just put them in the user share directory and there you go. But it what's impressive to me, and this is actually something we're going to get to a little bit in the Destination Linux discussion, is the fact that Cinnamon, there is a Cinnamon option on top of a current release of Ubuntu. And that's, to me, the most interesting and important part of that. And one of the reasons that I don't use Mint is because it's on LTS base. So this kind of gets around that. But to your point, it is Cinnamon. It's mostly stock with a different theme and feel and differentiation to sort of say, hey, this is, we are doing something slightly different, but ultimately it's still relatively close to what you'd expect. There is definitely room for people to make things their own. But for me personally, I appreciate more when they do things on the system level where they make it easier for me to install, you know, add a printer or to, to administer the system, give me tools to do those sorts of things. So if you're going to spend time on customizing or, um, differentiating 
your distro. I look more for those types of things than I do necessarily what does the theme look like. But there's obviously some distros that are very polarizing with their theme. You think of Zorin, that's Gnome, but yeah, it's Gnome, Jim, but not as we know it, right? It's it's totally, <laughs> totally different. Yeah, exactly. And they very much differentiate themselves based on that. And it's another LTS base and you know, I feel like when you look at those LTS-based distros, that's that's what you're seeing in these sort of the differentiations in the style and the tools that are given. So, yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting, it's always interesting to me. I mean, I we had just gone through the elementary challenge and that was a big challenge to work through something that was very different and having sort of my already set opinions about what cinnamon looks like and to use a different you know someone else's opinion of that and it's it's interesting and fresh and sort of challenges me a little bit the same thing with endeavor pulling that off where you know, it's just it's kind of slightly magical to just say oh i want this desktop and um and it just works so well we've seen a lot of great things come out of 2019 you know here we are the beginning of 2020 and it's gonna be a heck of a year yeah, I think so too. I, I want to uh, circle back a little bit. So I, I like how you're saying you focus more on the underpinnings of the distribution and what they're doing to make working with it, not just at a user level, but as an as administrator level. That's how you're looking at a distribution as opposed to just the window dressing. Although window dressings are nice, but I, I, I see where you're coming from. That I think that's very interesting. And I, and I think that I'm I think I'm more like that as well, because I, I can put whatever window dressings I want on my desktop, as it were. And I think it's, it's really good. And I, I think, you know, it's it's interesting to hear your perspective of it, because if you hear like some people... You know, some people, they uh, <laughs> they focus a lot more on the window dressings than they do in the actual function of the distribution. It has to be cohesive, right? You have to give people a reasonably solid, clean experience out of the box. But ultimately, most of that is window dressing. And once people get past that initial impression and start using the system, if you haven't put the time and effort behind that, then that's, that's going to show way more. Of course, that first impression could be bad and you don't want that. MX is a great example. I'm not a fan of the XFC desktop, so I immediately go, eh. But then I look at the tools and the fact that they have so many you know, their installer is really great. Their tool set's really great. They make it very easy to use the system. That more than balances out, you know, my initial sort of, eh, I'm not, not into this because it's XFC. So it's, it's, it is an interesting thing when you're producing a distro and you have to put thought, you, you have finite resources, finite time, and you say, well, where do we put this time and, right. and these resources? Some of it has to be differentiation and window dressing, but Hopefully a substantial portion goes into the underpinnings because I think right. that's yeah. that's what counts. And I think that's probably why I like the uh, vanilla Debian so much. And you're probably like, oh, what? But I, I happen to like Debian distributions because I feel like there's a lot of emphasis put on those underpinnings and nothing put on the window dressing at all. And I think since I did grow up in Linux as such, I, I'm probably just accustomed to to looking at those base portions of the distributions but which is why i mean all the ubuntu uh, so many distributions are based off of ubuntu really i mean they do so much work on the underpinnings and letting the flavors fancy it up i guess if you want to call it that that they're so successful so we got some listener feedback 
Can you believe that? I know. It's fantastic. That's Anthony Lovato. He said, hey there, I'm from Jellyfin Core Team. And he gives a GitHub link. He's just trying to offer any assistance for any questions you might have as you try test Jellyfin. I'm also happy to discuss anything you might want to know about the project. I think that's really exciting. And we like last time we talked, I said I was getting to media servers and I meant to start testing Jellyfin, but I got, well, I haven't started yet. And uh, so I'm, just, I'm still playing with MB. The dovetail into that to, because I, I buy movies and I'm, I'm probably like one of the last six people that actually buy DVDs and Blu-rays now. I also discovered something called Make MKV to take my take the Blu-rays and turn them into files, these MKV, MKV files for, for MB to, to play. So uh, this is really good news, I think, because I am definitely going to try... Well, I really want to try Plex next because I think I want to end on Jellyfin, I think. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think to, to have a balanced opinion, an informed opinion, you should try them all. Um, yes. I've actually been using Plex again just to see... And, you know, it's definitely more polished. But again, like I said, when we were talking about this originally, Plex has had a long time and they're also well-funded at this point. They weren't initially, I don't believe. But, um, you know, they've taken a lot of time and have had the, the luxury, I guess, of, of all of that time and resources to polish a lot of that stuff. Now, that said, it's not perfect. I still had some issues with getting the ports open properly to stream things around the house. and. They're doing this thing where it's probably going to annoy some people. It annoyed me. So it used to be, and it's the, this way in MB and also in Jellyfin, where your content is what you're seeing. All right? You go in there and whatever libraries you add, that's what you see. Well, Plex now is pulling in you know, web content. They've got their own streaming service. They've got news. They've got all of this oh, wow. stuff. And they prioritize that above your libraries. So when you go to the home screen, what you see is all of their content and not any of yours by default. Now you can pin yours and, and you can change the home screen, but I find that to be a very interesting decision on their part where Plex was always a home media server and that first and foremost, and then you had plugins and you could extend it and choose to do those things. But now it's like their content is forward. And your content, you have to actually go to a secondary menu to get to. It's interesting. Mm. I get it because I think that for a lot of people who have like I have a Roku or, you know, if you have a smart TV that has apps and stuff like like I think people are becoming more accustomed to that approach. But again, it's the whole point of it for you and for me is that it's a media server for my content first and then that other stuff secondarily. So it was, it's, it's definitely a strange and a huge difference, in my opinion, to MB and Jellyfin that they put, again, they sort of bury your content and put theirs first and foremost. So I think you should try it. I think you should look at it just to see what they've done and get your take on that. Maybe I'm just being really sensitive to that. It's just, it seems odd to me. And I would love to talk to Anthony about, you know, Jellyfin and what they're doing and where they're going, you know, maybe do some testing, I, w whatever, you know, he's looking to talk about would be great. I think we'll find some way to, to work that in. And I really appreciate Anthony, you uh, writing in and letting us know that you are offering to do this. On one hand, I can see the the business case, what Plex is doing. But at the same time, like, I, I see the good and the bad in, in, in that. I would almost like to see that in Jellyfin too, possibly. So it would be a cohesive media player, but then would that be treading on Cody? You know, like, I, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Well, I think having a system that's extensible, right? That you could put plugins and web content and do more with it 
than just have files on a disk somewhere that are being served up in a pretty fashion, essentially. Not to keep saying the same thing over and over. When you're doing this, you're putting it on your system, you are hosting it, you are updating it and maintaining it. So to me, that means that your content should be the first class material that you're seeing. And Plex just gives me that impression that it's like, well, yeah, we do that too. You know, where it's, it, that's a total 180 from where they used to be and a 180 from what Jellyfin and, and MB and, and others provide. Huh. Learn something every day. So this week on Linux for Everyone, Jason talked about his 12 months of Linux discoveries. He talked about Pop, Elementary, the changes with Microsoft, and so forth. What I want to know is, Eric, what would you say your Linux discovery was for this year? This was the year that I discovered the Linux community in, a, in an actual sort of real way. I've been using Linux for close to 20 years now, and most of that time, all of that time, except for this year, was more or less on my own and having no peers or really no kind of community uh, other than, I guess, if you call forums, you know, linuxquestions.org and stuff, stuff like that, right. uh, yeah. where I would I go and, you know, I'd fish for answers, I'd find stuff to learn and, and do, but it was never in the spirit of belonging or being social with other people who were doing similar things. And so the beginning of this year, well, last year, it's 2020 now. At the beginning of 2019, a couple months in, I found Michael Tunnell's uh, This Week in Linux videos on uh, YouTube and was watching those. And, you know, I went back and was watching the history of those. And then at some point he mentioned Destination Linux. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll look for that. And I found them and then made the connection between that and Rocco and Big Daddy Linux. It has all kind of led me to literally what we're doing right now, you know, recording this podcast and, and our friendship and our communication and the other people that I've met and have become friends with. So from a technical or sort of Linux specific perspective, not a lot has changed for me. I'm still doing the same things I've been doing, but now I do it with other people <laughs> instead of uh, right. instead of just doing it myself and knowing that other people are out there. And, you know, if people are listening and you haven't engaged in the community, I, I mean, like I said, I spent close to two decades just kind of doing it on my own. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be part of a community, but it's really, it's just so rewarding. It's, it's been yeah, it's just been very rewarding to me. I, I've learned so much. I've met so many good people and nice people. I know people from all around the world now, um, literally mm -hmm. all around the world. It's it's yeah. incredible to me. And I, and I talk to these people on a regular basis. It's really enriched my life in a, in a big way. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's definitely been my biggest discovery around Linux this year. Now, for me, that was like when I kind of tried getting involved in some communities like over over time, but never really kind of asserted myself. And it was actually Big Daddy Linux, Rocco, last year, November, when I started getting involved in that community. And I would say because of that, like you, I mean, I, I was I was involved in, in the OpenSUSE forums and the community there, but that was pretty much it. I didn't really venture out, you know, it's like I was, you know, what's that fear when you, agoraphobia, when you fear going outside? It's almost like I had that, uh, uh, Linux agoraphobia. <laughs> anyway, when um getting to know, you know, the people at on, uh, on Biddle and then, you know, meeting you, this, that, that has been, you know, for me, it was like 2019 was when I went from just being, you know, very, a lot more isolated to getting to know people 
you know, through Telegram and on you know, the discourse on the different forums and so forth, and becoming a part of Destination Linux Network, which which has really been fantastic and and a lot of fun. You know, getting to meet you, and then and then now now we uh, talk at each other every every week. You know, when we're not on vacation. And yeah, it's been it's been loads of fun. I, I I totally agree. And it's it's also done a lot for like um trying new things or 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 pushing my boundaries has been a, been a lot more of that too because of the community. And 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 I I I want to just second what you're saying and getting involved in the you know the, the wider Linux community has really done a lot for challenging me and getting me to grow more. I would say without hesitation, I've learned and grown more in the last two years than I did in the previous ten. For sure, and twelve years for sure in in Linux. I mean, w- without without question. So yeah, it's been fun, and I, I think that's that's pretty awesome. It's really something unexpected. I I lurked and watched you know the Big Daddy <laughs> Linux Live <laughs> stream. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was lurking in the corner. <laughs> yeah, it just looked fun. It just looked like a group mm-hmm. of people that I could sit there and talk to. And as we've mentioned before on this program, like we, it's not easy being a technical person. It's not something you can just randomly talk to most people in the world about. It's something you might be very passionate about and have a lot of knowledge and a lot invested in. And it's just so easily dismissed by the greater majority of the populace. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's defeating and a little sad at times because people, even if they like you and know you, they want to know about your life and what you do. And as soon as you start talking tech, it's like they just zone out. Yeah, the eyes gloss over. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at this stream going, wow, these, these look like people that I could go on and actually have a conversation with. It took me a few weeks of watching it to kind of build up the courage. And then I finally said, well, hey, let's give it a shot. I mean, that was it. The first time I did it and everybody was so welcoming and it was just such a great experience. Everything that I do now around Linux has some involvement with these communities. And I completely agree with you. I've learned more, not only because the people are very smart and passionate about what they're doing, but they also have a different perspective than I do. The fact that I'm trying different things and I have an open mind in a way that I really didn't as much before. Like you said, you were part of that insular community and that was, you know, that's what you focused on and you didn't really Mm -hmm. stretch outside of that too much. And that's what I love about the diversity of these communities is it's people who use all different things and it's people who are very highly technical and professional and people who are hobbyists who like technology and people who want an alternative choice or people who are staunchly, you know, believe in free and open source software and privacy. It's just this great yep. mix of all of these people and yeah, all types from the pragmatic to the not as pragmatic. <laughs> So this week on Destination Linux, they talked about the release or yeah, the release of Ubuntu Cinnamon. And Noah was not really all excited about the release of it, so I didn't really see the purpose of it because Mint exists. I'm picking up that you don't necessarily agree with that viewpoint. I've heard that from several different people. So I'm I'm not just calling out Noah on this one. I think there are a lot of people that say, well, there is a, an Ubuntu Cinnamon version. It's it's Mint. <laughs> But Mint is also based on an LTS. The advantage of Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix is that it is based on 19.10. It has an updated set of packages. It has mm-hmm. a newer kernel. It has you know newer firmware. It is more modern than an almost two-year-old LTS base at this point. And yes, there's hardware enablement. There's some, some things you can do. But ultimately, Ubuntu 19.10 runs better on my system, has better 
more up to date software. So I have less reliance on flat packs and stuff like, you know, external sources of software. It's a better experience for me to be using Cinnamon on an updated Ubuntu base. So there does seem to be legitimate interest. The Telegram group already has over 300 members. They've had wow. a lot of downloads off of their SourceForge page. Uh, I've seen, you know, quite a bit of discussion about it and I've been using it and it's it's good, especially for a first release. You have to keep in mind how much goes into that and Right, yeah. You know, it's stable. It's mostly complete. There's definitely some rough edges. It's not perfect, but you know, it's the first release mm -hmm. and I think it, it has its place and I'm very happy that they're doing it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm glad they're doing it as well. I, I don't really use Mint and I'm not really a, a, what I would call a, an avid fan of Cinnamon. I, I do appreciate the project, but I, I, I kind of think that, you know, maybe in some ways having a bunch of Cinnamon out there, you know, especially not being on the LTS, being on the in, interim releases, that that's going to be better for uh, the development on the Mint side because they can knock off some of those rough edges before it even gets to Mint. I mean, at least that's how I look at it, unless I'm off on that. And also having it based on, not the right term, but like vanilla Ubuntu, using that on that base will be more in line with the other flavors of Ubuntu. And that's a good point because Mint does do some things quite differently from Ubuntu. Keep in mind too that they use Ubuntu, but in some cases slightly begrudgingly. They have a version with uh, Debian, and I think that's kind of hedging their bets in case they don't want to keep using Ubuntu for whatever reason. You know, they really don't like the inclusion of snaps, and so they've gone with Flatpak. They changed some things, so they, instead of using the apt that would come with Ubuntu, they've got their own custom wrapper on, on apt, and it doesn't quite work the same way. And So there, there's sort of enough differences where Mint is not, is not like running Ubuntu. It's really not. I mean, yes, maybe let's say it's an 85% experience of running Ubuntu, but they've made enough changes that for someone like me, when I run it, it's noticeable. There are things that kind of bug me because I expect it to be like Ubuntu and it's, and there's just enough that's different that it's not like Ubuntu. I would say Pop OS is another good example of that where they, yes, it's an Ubuntu base, but they've made a lot of changes. You know, they're using systemd boot. They're doing a lot of sort of different things than Ubuntu does. So it's not just the base. It's they've, they've made substantial changes. So when Pop came out, people said, well, what's the point of this? It's just window dressing on top of what's already there. And, you know, they've very much differentiated themselves, I think, in, in many w meaningful ways. So Mint is the same way. So that's that sort of circles me back to the argument of saying, well, you know, why would we need a cinnamon version of Ubuntu? And the answer is because there isn't one. On This Week in Linux, Michael talked about lots of things, as Michael tends to do, which is great. And that's why it's a show you should definitely listen to, because he's very thorough and finds lots of stories that we don't hear about. But one that we were aware of, because our friend Farron is uh, he's he's very uh, upfront about the fact that he develops an OS and uh, he lets people know, which is great because we get to follow the progress. And so something he's been working toward for quite a while is this whole legacy cinnamon desktop and then trying to switch over to plasma and some of the and a lot of the customization and things he's been doing. He's worked with you know, the different teams directly, the KD Plasma team and 
different distros. And so he's been putting tremendous amount of effort into getting this release out where he wants to separate out. So Farron OS now, the latest release, that means when you download Farron OS, the main edition is the Plasma release. And the legacy edition is the Cinnamon desktop, which he's going to support for some amount of time. But the focus is now on the Plasma release or the Plasma base with his substantial changes on top of it. thought this was a really interesting topic for folks who haven't checked out Farron OS. This is a perfect example when I talk about people who say there's too much fragmentation or too many distros. And this is, Farron is a guy, a young guy who does presumably the majority of this or all of this by himself. And he's done amazing things in terms of customization, uh, bringing different uh, pieces of different desktop environments together in, in a cohesive way and in a way that I really haven't seen another distribution do. And so, again, the merit of these people who have these this passion for making their vision of what a desktop should be, of what Linux could be, of what using a computer could be, this is in, incredibly valuable. And so he's been able to to do this. And, and after, I can't imagine, thousands of hours of work this year to, to get this out, he has released it. Absolutely worth checking out. Uh, Nate, did you get a chance to take a look? I did. And what I think is really interesting is how he has various desktop paradigms that you can choose. He has the, the, the Redmond or, or the Windows 7 and previous look layout, you know, kind of a, a familiar desktop. But he has one called Familiar Desktop, which is a really, what I think is a really great re-implementation of the Windows 10 look and feel. Now, that's not my, that's not my jam, but I, I thought it was really well done. So I'm just thinking in, in my mind, for somebody who wants, who comes from Windows 10, it would, it, you know, they're very comfortable in that environment. Having it look like that, you know, would be fantastic for them. You know, it'd be a good, good, uh, good gateway into using Plasma. He also had a Unity layout and then a, uh, a Mac OS style layout too. And I didn't really look at those as, as in depth, but, but also it just one underscores the power of Plasma and how customizable it is and how you can mold it to, to shape your vision and your, you know, your idea of what a desktop should be. And I really appreciate that. But the fact that Farron was able to take it and, and not only just kind of do it, but do it with such gusto and vigor where, I mean, it's, such a well done theming that he's done to it, and I'm I'm really impressed by his talent and skills, and I'm also imp- equally as impressed by how much he keeps pushing <laughs> his distribution. Uh, when it, when it comes to beating a drum, he is really good at it, and and and, act- and I think it's well deserved too because he does a really good job in his design of of what he's what he's doing at Farron OS. You know, it's not just another KDE desktop, and it's not just another Plasma desktop. This this is different. This is a different experience, and I need I want to try this one again and I'm I'm hoping that actually it'll come up as a middle challenge here in the near future because I'm I'm really excited to see what he's done with plasma uh, for his distribution. I don't know. I think it's really cool and uh and it's amazing because he's he's not very old. He's a, he's a young kid, much younger than I, and he's done a lot more in Linux in in his lifetime than I think I've done in mine and you know kudos to him for for all that he's done. I'd, I'd like to actually meet him. Like actually, you know, shake his hand and say, you know, well done. Uh, what else what else can you talk about besides Farron OS, you know? <laughs> oh i'm sure there are plenty of things but uh yeah he's hey you know what he puts a lot of effort into it he wants to make sure people know that it's out there Mm -hmm. and particularly folks in the community so he's he's active in chats you know youtube streams and forums and telegram and and he should be and that's that's 
it's he's put like i said so much work into this and i think particularly the cohesion of everything is impressive to say the least but the way that he has teased out some of the settings panels so kd plasma as you well know but maybe some other folks don't has an a sort of large general sort of desktop settings control panel and it combines a lot of different modules and more or less embeds them into a single view and you just kind of go through the menus and but all of those modules are also things that could just be called independently and so what he's done as part of his sort of walkthrough setup process which is amazing by the way i mean a lot of distros have welcome screens but in terms of like welcome and let's go ahead and just like get this thing set up the way you want it to be you know we're gonna pick our like you're saying the different layouts the different themes the different i mean it's it's granular enough that it allows you to make it your own and feel that you can have a starting point that's comfortable for you but not so overwhelming he's been able to tame that control panel to some degree by going through and as you go through this progression of steps you can actually launch those different pieces of the control panel independently and set different functions and features and and settings on the desktop through his sort of welcome process. And it's, it's amazing. And he's also hinted at, because again, he's been in close contact and collaboration with these different teams that uh, perhaps we're going to see some improvements on the plasma side, you know, proper in plasma itself to some of the theming and other things. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if that is as a result of what he's been doing Uh, again, someone coming up with fresh ideas and that getting taken back upstream into a main project. Right. Congratulations to him on being able to uh, achieve this. I hope we do get to try it out on Biddle. I think it would be a great experience for everybody to give feedback and it's certainly worthy of being looked at. I totally agree. So this last week, Zebedee, Zeb, our buddy, he did a live stream, a 24-hour live stream for Free Geek, and he raised $1,500. One, yeah, that's that's a lot. And uh, I I watched a large portion of the stream. I'd say probably because I wasn't home to watch it all, but for the parts that I I was home, I had it on in one room or another. He started out the the stream, you know, full of gusto and vigor and uh, uh, like the last uh, couple hours, like, I mean, I... I went to sleep and I woke up and, you know, it was, it was a whole nother day for me uh, from when he started to, to when he finished. And I actually, I was asleep before he finished up a stream, but like that last couple hours or the portion that I caught, man, you could tell he was, he was pretty wiped. And uh, it was, it was fun to listen to, um, to Ryan and, and Michael just kind of uh, the, the banter between them and then them picking on Zeb while he's, <laughs> he's barely conscious doing this, this live stream. I thought it was hilarious. And uh, no, it was, it was a, it was a good stream. It was a lot of fun. A lot of people came into the chat and was, and were, you know, giving a hard time. I gave him a hard time and uh, he even did me a nice favor. And, uh, and he did like some Christmas loads. Cause you know, I love Christmas. What can I say? And he, uh, he did, he did like a Christmas load. So he couldn't go very fast. And, and he kind of complained about that. But anyway, it was, um, it almost makes me want to try that, uh, that, Euro truck or American truck simulator, you know, just just because just, you know, he slams into into caravans and and does all these really really amusing things, and I think um, it might be good training for my my younger kids to uh, you know the the rules of the road as it were, or maybe not. I don't know because the way Zeb drives. <laughs> well, you you don't have to drive that way, uh, right? And it's it's fairly realistic in the kind of the 
physics of driving a truck from the sense of like the the weight of a load and like the the turning radius and stuff like that. I mean, there's no crash damage and um, it's a little silly that, you know, you can slam into something at 60 miles an hour and there's no physics for crashing really. Um, it damages the vehicle, but there's no vis- visible damage. Um, gotcha. Anyway, I, I may have spent some hundreds of hours playing that game um, potentially allegedly uh it, in ats it's it is there's something very zen and um kind of hypnotic yeah it's it's it is it's it is a surprising thing because you look at it and you go it's a truck simulator like really how much <laughs> how much am i going to get out of this right and i remember seeing someone playing it and it was before i even knew who zeb was this was years ago and just thinking it it, it just can't be that I mean, it just seems like it wouldn't be that much fun. And I tried it and I was like, wow, this is actually really engaging. And yeah, so I mean, if it's not something you've ever tried, I think it's it's worth checking it out. And it, it's just fun. It, it, you can take it seriously. Like some people have simulators where they've got a whole cab built up and a steering Ooh. wheel and a shifter. Oh yeah, like some of these people have it like, you know, six screens wrapped around them. And like, it's, it's kind of silly. I, but hey, I mean, if that's what you're into, I mean, some people really dig it. And, you know, kudos to them for going through all those steps like you want to talk hardware and and it's like some crazy setups like yeah there's some some fun videos out there oh i'm sure or you can do it using the (laughs) wasd you know on a a keyboard or your arrow keys and it's it's certainly i'm not as immersive as that might be but it's still very relaxing and there's just something about like a lot of games are very intense you know shooters and like you you just fast motion and twitch and like you gotta react and jump around and like all this and this is just very sort of you know you're going with the flow you've you know you're you're on a route you've got a load you're Mm -hmm. kind of if you leave on the simulation part you've got to make it so far and then pick where you're going to stop for fuel or to to rest or i don't know there's there's something very sort of calming about that just it's it's not jumpy there's no twitch there's no noise and like loud and flashing and you know it's just it's very zen Hmm. it's definitely worth giving a shot if you haven't to do it for 24 hours and to take a break you know once every four hours and get a cup of tea and go to the bathroom and whatever whatever he was doing to keep himself awake yeah that was a lot of work there it is it is it's 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 not easy to do he mentioned at some point it might have been the post show on Biddle or something that it, when he was younger, he had stayed up for like 46 hours or 50 hours or something when they were doing some kind of migration of systems. And yeah, I mean, I remember being in my twenties and being a sysadmin and, you know, staying up for a day and a half, two days. It, you can do it because you you're young and can, can do it. I mean, and I'm not saying that <laughs> I'm not being ageist, you know, I, I myself am getting <laughs> older. I find that, 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 I think that would be a very difficult thing to do. So Kudos to him for doing it and for raising the money. And, you know, it's it's great for Free Geek and it's such a great cause. And for him to to do that, it's a you know, very selfless thing. And I, I he's already such a great guy. It's not like he had anything to prove. But this just, to me, solidifies the fact that Zeb is just one of those great people that we're lucky to know and, and uh, have around. Oh, for sure. Well, thanks again for joining us here on DLN Extend. 
I'd like to continue the discussion with you on Telegram, and Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and also on shows and creators at destinationlinux.network. For more information on where to find us, if you go to my creators page in the creators section on the destinationlinux.network website, you'll find links to my different social media, my YouTube channel, and it's probably just the easiest way to find all that information rather than me listing them out individually. So that's where you can check me out. Nate, where can we find more about you? Also, you can find me on, the, on that page with the different creators, or you can go to cubiclenate.com. That has links to my regular blatherings, my another podcast that I do, and link to my YouTube channel. And uh, you can leave me comments there. You can do it on the, on the Discourse forum. Uh, I actually enjoy the forum quite a bit. I've been sharing some more things on there that I've been working on. And as always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back again next week, for sure, with another episode of DLN Extend. So until then, be kind to one another. Have a great week. Have a great week, everyone. See us. Am I? Is that? Do I sound hot to you? You sound hot. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think you sound hot. That's going um, in the show. Okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>